You're listening to the Kirk and Tillich Herald, a Cune Review recording service podcast, brought to you by our team of volunteers currently recording from their homes across Scotland. Whether you're listening via the BWBF online players, the telephone app, or our brand new Alexa skill, please phone us on 0141 772 3976 to feedback on what you want us to provide and improve upon. Please also join your family and friends in being our audio ambassadors and share our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all at QNReview. That's at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. This edition of the Kirk and Tiller from Bishop Rice Herald, date Wednesday the 17th of August 2022. Praise for pupils. Despite disrupting to learning and teaching in challenging circumstances over the last two years, pupils from Eastern Bartonshire's eight secondary schools have received strong SQA exam results this week. Across the year groups, there has been high attainment, with many pupils gaining top marks in their National 5, Higher and Advanced Higher examinations, said Eastern Bartonshire Council. Early analysis indicates that, overall, Results in Eastern Barnshire remain strong, with the results similar to pre-pandemic levels. This is the first year since 2019 that young people have sat formal exams. Due to the extraordinary circumstances around the 2022 SQE arrangements, a new appeals process is in place. Pupils who are concerned about their grades can submit an appeal directly to the SQA if their estimated result was a grade higher than their actual result. Convener of Education Councillor Linda Williamson said, Pupils have faced enormous disruption to their education over the last two years, but the way they responded does them great credit. Once again, these young people have shown remarkable resilience as they work to stay focused. I want to recognise and applaud their efforts as well as paying tribute to all school staff who have given unwavering support to pupils and worked tirelessly during these unique and challenging times. This Week in History August 17, 1939, the film The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland, opened in New York. On this day last year, the Duke of Sussex encouraged veterans to offer support for one another in the wake of the Taliban resurgence in Afghanistan. August 18, 1971, 28-year-old disabled Amy McDevitt was shot dead by the army in Strabane, Northern Ireland. August 19, 1953, England, under Captain Len Hutton, won the Ashes for the first time since the controversial Bodyline Tour of 1932-33. On this day last year, UK dairy farms were monitoring cow health with Fitbit-like collars and trialling poo power to fill milk tankers in effort to cut the climate impact, a report said. August 20, 1956, Calder Hall, in Cumbria, the world's first large-scale atomic power station, began generating. On this day last year, a blue plaque was unveiled for historian and broadcaster Sir Kenneth Clark. August 21, 1940, Leon Trotsky, exiled Bolshevik leader, died after being struck by several blows in the head with an ice pick wielded by Raman Makader, an agent for Stalin. August 22, 1933, 
BBC TV televised a boxing match for the first time. Castle on sale for £2 million. When your home is your castle, a 16th century stronghold on the edge of Bardowie Loch is on sale for a cool £2.25 million. Bardowie Castle is an A-listed building set amidst majestic grounds of seven acres including loch frontage of Bardowie Loch. The iconic property has been modernised and comes with a private jetty and boathouse. It is steeped in history with links to Rob Roy MacGregor and contains Scotland's oldest original stone keep dating from the mid-16th century. It was also the refuge of Hollywood actor Chris Pine who rented the castle out for £20,000 a month during filming of a Netflix production about Robert the Bruce in which he had the starring role. The sellers are Clyde Property who describe it on their website as a once-in-a-generation opportunity to purchase this magnificent family home meticulously restored and refurbished both internally and externally and affords spectacular panoramic views across the expansive gardens and private jetty to the loch itself. The grounds include extensive lawned areas, a tennis court and a walled garden. A stone staircase leads to the Great Hall and the original castle keep, which was built in 1566. Additions were made to the building throughout the 17th and 18th centuries. The castle also has two self-contained two-bedroom apartments, both with interconnecting door to the main property. The main house comprises reception hall, WC, drawing room, dining room, dining kitchen, garden room, snug, games room, utility, six bedrooms, all with ensuite and several dressing rooms. Clyde Property says the West Wing could be utilised as a self-contained apartment comprising of a fully fitted gymnasium or potential double bedroom. There is a lounge open to kitchenette and a modern refitted shower room. Self-contained apartment accessed via an entrance vestibule in the lounge, open to dining area, kitchen, two bedrooms, both with ensuite and storage space. In summary, Clyde Property described it as a once-in-a-generation opportunity to acquire one of Scotland's most iconic homes. Visit www.clydeproperty.co.uk forward slash property. Read by Alan Todd. Funding boost, as recorded by Hunter MacDonald. A funding boost could be on the menu for local groups and innovative projects. The Eastern Bartonshire Community Grant Scheme has £50,000 available to be distributed among organisations as part of its latest round. One of the successful applicants in 2020-21 was New Roots Gardening Club, which secured £1,500 for a project involving community growing spaces. That helped support professional tutoring, volunteering and start-up costs for developing disused garden spaces in Ochenair and Mulgai. Some 22 members of the autistic community benefited. Groups can apply for up to £3,000 per year. The deadline for this latest round of funding is Friday the 2nd of September at 5pm. Visit www.east-dumbarton.gov.uk forward slash community dash grants dash scheme Age Scotland and Volunteer Play Age Scotland is calling for volunteers in Eastern Bartonshire to join their Friendship and Helpline teams 
and help make a difference to the lives of older people. The charity currently has a wide variety of exciting volunteering roles available to people across the west of Scotland. These include assisting the charity's national helpline. Age Scotland's free helpline provides information, friendship and advice to older people, their carers and families in Scotland through a confidential free phone number. As a helpline support volunteer, you'd be helping collect feedback on the effectiveness of the service and where there is any room for improvement. You can also become a friendship caller. The charity's friendship line is open to anyone over 50 in need of a chat or listening ear and they also make weekly calls to those who would benefit from a regular chat. Last year volunteers provided 2,763 friendship calls with topics ranging from current issues and hobbies to top tier biscuits and time travel. You can also support the older veterans community. Celebrating their 400th circle in March this year, Age Scotland's Comradeship Circles service offers members of the ex-service community the chance to come together and engage in regular camaraderie over the phone. The service is currently looking for a facilitator and technical support volunteers to ensure calls go smoothly. For more information, visit www.age.scot forward slash volunteer or call 033-32-32-400 Permission for Petrol Station A petrol station and convenience store in Kirkintilloch has been given permission to begin delivering goods including alcohol to customers. Shell Westermains in Glasgow Road applied for a variation on its existing licence allowing it to include alcohol in the goods available for delivery by Uber Eats. The local health and social care partnerships initially objected on the basis that the premises is located in an area of over-provision. But on revision, it was confirmed this is untrue and the objection was withdrawn, but did emphasise the importance of age verification training for delivery drivers. Representing the applicant, Solicitor Andrew Hunter said that his client had operated with its off-sales licence, said that the Uber Eats app listed Asda and Bishop Briggs and the restaurant Stables were the only other businesses selling alcohol deliveries in the local area. He added that any driver who delivered alcohol would first need to complete training in the age verification process. Products not delivered due to this concern, they would be returned to the petrol station. Mr Hunter added that the variation would not affect the overall status of off-sales in the area as no additional alcohol would be made available. Police Scotland and the local licensing team had no address comments on the application. Following a short recess for private discussion, the licensing board approved the application. Man injured. A man was taken to hospital after a car crashed into a wall in North Glasgow. Emergency services were alerted around 7.30am on Tuesday, August the 9th, after reports of the incident on Springburn Road. Police officers and paramedics arrived at the scene and the male driver of the vehicle was rushed to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, We received a report of a car having crashed into a wall on Springburn Road around 7.30am on Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. The male driver and sole occupant was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. Recovery was arranged. 
Meanwhile, officers in Woodlands, Glasgow are appealing for witnesses after two men on board a motorcycle attempted to snatch bags from pedestrians on Saturday the 6th of August. Praise for food bank volunteers. Strathkelvin and Bearsden MSP, Rona Mackay, praised volunteers at Eastern Bartonshire Food Bank during a recent visit. Due to the deepening cost of living crisis, the food bank has experienced a significant increase in demand for their services. They are looking for volunteer drivers to join the warehouse team, volunteer food bank centre and warehouse assistants and a computer operator slash centre assistant. SMP MSP Ms Mackay said, The amazing volunteers at food banks are working incredibly hard to support people. Some members of our community are unable to afford even the basics as a result of a decade of Tory austerity and the deepening cost of living crisis. Could you foster a pet? The Scottish SPCA is appealing to Eastern Bartonshire people to consider opening their hearts and homes to an animal in need by signing up to become a foster carrier for the charity. Fostering was initially piloted by the Society during the first lockdown in March 2020 when animals were unable to be rehomed. The scheme proved so successful that it was then trialled on a larger scale at the Scottish SPCA's Dumbartonshire Animal Rescue Rescue and Rehoming Centre in December 2021. Now, the fostering scheme has rolled out across the west of Scotland and the charity is looking for even more loving foster families to care for animals. Scottish SPCA Animal Fostering Coordinator David Macbeth said, We'd be delighted if some of Scotland's animal lovers would sign up to foster for us. We have roles fostering either dogs or cats and we'll work with fosterers to find animals suited to their homes and level of experience. Introducing this scheme will give even more animals the chance to recuperate in a stable home environment rather than kennels. This in turn frees our kennel space up for urgent cases of animals in need. Fostering can be beneficial for animals for many reasons, whether that's taking an animal out of kennels who finds the environment too stressful, allowing an animal a quiet place to recover from medical treatment, or helping rehabilitate an animal with behavioural issues. It's incredibly rewarding for the people involved too. You're helping an animal recover from a difficult time in their life and get ready to find a new forever home. Labour in the driving seat. Labour have taken control of North Lanarkshire Council just three months after the SNP gained power there for the first time. The party managed to install their group leader Jim Logue at the head of the local authority with councillor Paul Kelly as deputy leader. Labour were helped by the defection of Michael Coyle, a representative for Airdrie South, who switched from the SNP to Labour just ahead of the crunch meeting on Thursday. The change of administration happened in the wake of former SNP leader Jordan Linden's resignation. He stepped down as both group and council head after historic allegations of sexual misconduct were made public. He had been elected leader in North Lanarkshire after the SNP won 36 seats out of 77 in the local elections in May. Council Logue had previously been leader of the council between 2016 and May this year. Councillor Logue said it's a privilege to be elected once more as leader. Search on for area's best gardeners. Dobby's is now lookout for Eastern Bartonshire's best gardeners with its Not Your Average Gardener Awards launching this week. A team of celebrity gardening enthusiasts will be judging the awards, including broadcaster Joe Wiley, 
Dobby's horticultural director Marcus Isles, ITV This Morning's Daisy Payne, and Dobby's ambassador and gardening influencer Henry Ag. The four best gardeners, all with a passion for planting in their own unique way, will win £5,000 worth of prizes and a virtual consultation with Marcus Isles and how best to maximise their space. Sustainability is at the core of the awards and Dobie's Mulgai store is searching for those who support local wildlife, better the environment and use sustainable gardening techniques to enter. The Garden Store's team members will be on hand to offer the winners advice on how to spend their prize and bring their space to life. There are four categories. Most Sustainable Gardener, Best Mini Garden Makeover, Best Houseplant Parent and Best Young Gardener under 16 years. Joe Wiley is delighted to be on the panel and said, Gardening is a huge passion of mine and I would encourage anyone to try it as a hobby. Being out in your green space, no matter the size, is a great chance to take a moment for your own well-being. I'm really excited to be on Dobby's judging panel this year. Whether a houseplant enthusiast, a keen gardener growing fruit and vegetables on an apartment balcony, a child discovering ways to make their own green space bloom, or gardening newbie creating plant borders. I'm excited to hear how people are giving gardening a go, no matter their space or experience. Dobby's horticultural director, Marcus Isles, adds, We've seen a positive increase in gardening over the past year, with customers across Mogai looking to try something new in their green space. At Dobby's, we're always on the lookout for passionate gardeners and our Not Your Average Gardener Awards are a great opportunity to shine a light on talent across Britain. Deadline for submissions is 26th August. For more information and to submit an entry, visit www.dobbies.com forward slash not dash your dash average dash gardener dash awards. Youth Initiative An MSP is encouraging more people across the area to sign up for an initiative that connects young people with workplace opportunities. More than 16,000 young people across Scotland have been offered workplace opportunities through the Young Persons Guarantee. Over 600 employers have signed up to the initiative which aims to connect 16 to 24 year olds with an apprenticeship, work experience, volunteering, internships, enterprise opportunities and mentoring. SNP MSP Evelyn Tweedy said, Some £45 million is being invested in this initiative in 2022-23 as part of the ongoing commitment to supporting young people in Scotland. I encourage employers to take a look online at the opportunities it offers. To find out more, visit https semicolon forward slash youngpersonsguarantee.scot Lindsay Aldi approved. Report by Neil McGrory. Supermarket chain Aldi has received planning permission to build a new store in Lindsay. Acting in line with recommendations from planning officers, councillors granted conditional approval for the new outlet to be constructed on a site adjacent to Initiative Road. Currently, this site is mostly vacant, but encompasses part of Woodley Industrial Estate. Eastern Bartonshire Council received 44 representations in connection to the proposals including 12 objections and 28 expressions of support, including some from Waterside and Lindsay Community Councils. An assessment of what the new store would mean to the local economy highlighted the creation of jobs, 
but noted that this could bring a footfall reduction to Kirkintilloch Town Centre. The report presented to councillors recommended a number of measures to offset any detrimental effects of the supermarket's presence, including improvements to access routes to reduce dependency on cars, financial contributions towards the town centre, and providing accommodation for other businesses to improve synergy with the town centre. The conclusion of the report states, The proposed development of a Class 1 retail food store with associated car parking, access, landscaping and other works is considered to comply with the adopted local development plan. It pertains to design, residential amenity, landscaping, biodiversity, sustainability, sustainable transport and flooding and drainage. It is acknowledged that the proposed development is in contrast to some elements of the LDP. Consequently, careful consideration has been given to all material matters related to the proposed development. As detailed within this report, it is recommended that the proposed development be granted. This is due to the significant weight which should be given to other material considerations, primarily the opportunity to stimulate investment and growth in the wider Kirkintilla Business Gateway site, through the development of a strategic site and delivery of significant improvements to pedestrian connectivity, as well as the delivery of significant community benefits through developer contributions. Therefore, on balance, the proposed development is considered to comply with the LDP as a whole. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to conditions and the conclusion of a legal agreement. With no councillors asking questions, The application was unanimously granted full planning permission subject to a list of 25 conditions. One of these states that development cannot begin until site safety has been fully investigated due to the historic mining activity in the area. Meanwhile, a former Indian takeaway in Bearsden could soon see a new lease of life if a planning application is successful. Taran Johal has applied to Eastern Bartonshire Council for permission to convert a vacant former takeaway in Kenilworth Crescent into a restaurant. The business was previously owned by Mr Johal's late father. A Royal Homecoming Mary's Scottish Years Explored Report by Julie Curry One of the most famous queens in history, Mary Stuart, lived in her homeland for just 12 years. Homecoming, the Scottish Years of Mary, Queen of Scots, tells the story of her Scottish years through the locations where events that shaped her life took place. Written by journalist and author Rosemary Goring, the book also examines the part Scotland and its tumultuous court and culture played in her downfall. Rosemary said, Without a doubt, the roots of Mary's tragic end lie in her years as Queen of Scotland. A career that started with popular acclaim ended in tartars. To this day, a tantalising question hangs over her. Was she the author of her own misfortunes, or should Scotland bear some, or much, of the blame. The book includes humorous childhood anecdotes, as well as the challenges Mary faced as an 18-year-old widow who had to take control of a nation driven with dissent and religious strife. Whether or not Mary Stuart emerges as blameless or guilty, she can be seen for who she really was. And that's largely thanks to Rosemary Goring's painstaking research. Much of the book is based on academic articles, biographies, letters, court records and treasurer's accounts of the time. In these you find the details about the scraps of people's lives, explained Rosemary. Thanks to these scraps, Mary becomes not just a legendary historical figure, but a living, breathing woman 
who, like some of today's royals, struggled with her position in life. When Mary returned to her homeland, she was only 18, said Rosemary. Newly widowed, she came through to take up her throne, though not without hesitation. The prospect must have been daunting. This was somewhere she had not seen since she was set for safety to France, aged five. When she landed in Leith, early in the morning of August 19th, 1561, she was effectively arriving in a foreign country. It was also a nation in political as well as religious turmoil. The book also explains how Mary managed to shrug off the shackles of her role for a wee while at least. Standing at almost six foot tall, she would sometimes dress as a man and walk with her friends down the Royal Mile. In 1963, she bought a house in St Andrews in which she and her friends played housewife, something that her position would not normally allow. She also loved partying and staying up late at night, playing cards and dice. Unfortunately, some rash decisions and a bad choice of second husband were to be her undoing. Rosemary said, In hindsight, Mary's downfall looks almost inevitable, yet there was nothing predictable about any of it. She was intelligent and charismatic and, even if she knew too little of her homeland, she had been educated in what it would be expected of her as monarch. The problem was those who taught her, her Guise uncles, were French and the rules of the French court were very different from those in Scotland. From the start, she was out of her depth. On balance, the disastrous events of her time on the throne can be traced back to the poor decisions she made, including those allies she chose to blindly trust. Had she been brought up in Scotland, she might have known enough of how its people thought to stay a step ahead. As it was, she was always one behind. Facing down men who had brought about a revolution required equal, if not greater, strength, and this she did not possess. Mary's homecoming was the definition of tragedy. Her initial popularity drained away as she made one bad decision after another. These miscalculations eventually led her to forced abdication and her flight into England to seek her cousin Elizabeth I's help. And we all know how that fateful decision played out. As well as telling the story of Mary's Scottish years, homecoming also served to shed new light on locations she visited. Her birthplace in Linlithgow Palace is the apt opener evoking a lithography of a very different era, but still recognisable to those who live in the town today. We're taking a tour of other iconic locations, from Huntley Castle in Aberdeenshire, down through Fife, and our capital city to the borders where many of the events in Homecoming took place. It is also where the book's author, Rosemary, now lives with her husband, fellow journalist and publisher, Alan Taylor. Homecoming, the Scottish Years of Mary, Queen of Scots, is published by Berlin. Priced £22, it can be purchased online. Rosemary Goring worked for the publisher W&R Chambers before becoming the literary editor of Scotland on Sunday, then literary editor and columnist for The Herald and Sunday Herald. The author of two historical novels, After Flodden and The Dacker's War, she's also the editor of Scotland, The Autobiography, and Scotland, Her Story, the nation's history by the woman who lived it. Alcohol deaths are increasing across Scotland. Report by Julie Curry. In 2021, 1,245 people died from conditions caused by alcohol in Scotland, according to the latest figures published by National Records of Scotland. The number of deaths is 5%, 55, 
higher than 2020, and is the highest number of deaths since 2008. More detailed analysis shows the rate of mortality from alcohol-specific causes was 22.3 deaths per 100,000 people in 2021, Whilst this is higher than the 21.5 deaths per 100,000 in 2020, it is not a statistically significant increase and remains below the peak rate of deaths from alcohol in 2006. Of those who died from alcohol-specific causes, two-thirds were male. The average age of deaths from those who died from these causes was 58.7 years for females and 59.7 years for males. Julie Ramsey Vital event statistician at INRS said, Health inequalities are a feature of alcohol-specific deaths. Deaths attributed to alcohol were 5.6 times as likely in the most deprived areas of Scotland compared to the least deprived areas. This is more than the deprivation gap for all causes of death, which is 1.9. Two-thirds of those who died last year were male. In the past five years, after adjusting for age, the rate of mortality from alcohol-specific deaths was higher than the Scottish average in Greater Glasgow and Clyde and the Lanarkshire Health Board areas. Rates were also high in the Western Isles Health Board, but the difference with Scotland as a whole was not statistically significant. Alison Douglas, Chief Executive of Alcohol Focus Scotland, said the high number of deaths from alcohol was devastating and each one left behind family and friends suffering their loss. She added, these impacts are experienced unequally with many more people dying in our poorest communities. We seem to almost accept this toll as inevitable, but we should not. Each death can be prevented. Alison is calling for the minimum unit price of alcohol to be raised from 50p to 65p in an effort to change attitudes to drink. She also called for an emergency response in the same scale as the efforts to tackle the drugs death crisis. Men's Shed Awards. This year, Scottish Men's Shed of the Year Awards are now open to applications delivered by the Scottish Men's Shed Association, SMSA. The awards recognise the contribution that men's sheds make and raise awareness of their huge impact in society. Jason Schroeder, SMSA's Chief Executive Officer, said, The awards, now in their fourth year, celebrate and showcase this life-changing work being carried out in men's sheds across Scotland. The Scottish men's sheds movement began back in 2009 and today there are now over 200 sheds and developing groups voluntarily engaging over 10,000 plus men aged 18 and over across the nation. Last year's winner was West Hill and District's men's shed, the first shed in Scotland. It opened in 2013. Applications are open until midnight on Sunday, September 18th at www.scottishmsa.org.uk forward slash S-M-O-S-O-T-Y awards. Future Proofing Drive to Net Zero in Scotland, report by Julie Curry. The Scottish Government will legislate to ensure developers provide electric vehicle, EV, charge points in the construction of new residential and non-residential buildings. The policy proposals have been published as part of a summary of responses to the consultation, Scottish building regulations, proposed changes to energy standards, including ventilation, overheating and electric vehicle charging provision. The proposals aim to support and encourage the growing uptake of electric vehicles by ensuring that all new homes, 
including flats with a dedicated car parking space, are built with electric charge points, making charging easier, cheaper and more convenient for drivers. Regulations will mean new residential buildings with a parking space have at least one EV charge point with a minimum 7kW rating. For new non-residential buildings with more than 10 parking spaces, one in every 10 would be expected to provide an EV charge point socket with a minimum 7kW rating. There are also requirements for residential and non-residential buildings undergoing major renovations to provide charge points. To update the Building Scotland Regulations 2004, the Scottish Government will put forward secondary legislation for Parliament consideration by the end of the year. Minister for Transport Jellico Roth said, We know that it is important to make charging as easy as possible to help make the switch to EV. I'm pleased to confirm we will introduce legislation to ensure all new buildings are EV enabled. This step will help future-proof Scotland's buildings as we transition, transition to a net zero transport system. This supports our ambition of phasing out new petrol and diesel cars and vans by 2030. We've already seen private developers delivering EV charge points as part of our new builds in Scotland. They recognise that charge points are an attractive feature. These changes will provide a minimum standard that developers will need to consider. We also know many households don't have access to dedicated parking spaces. That's why earlier this year we've announced our £60 million EV infrastructure fund to ensure that all households across Scotland can be confident that EV charging will be local and accessible. Flight Path Fund support to help local parents. Glasgow Airport's Flight Path Fund has awarded £1,000 to support the work of Breastfeeding Support Scotland in Eastern Barbershire. The funds awarded will be used by a local community group to help train four of its current volunteers to become breastfeeding counsellors and gain Protecting Vulnerable Group PVG scheme membership. Part of the awards will also help the group to introduce antenatal breastfeeding information sessions later this year. Councillor Callum Smith, who represents Eastern Barnetshire Council on the Flight Path Fund, said, Being able to access a group such as this, where parents can meet, share their experiences and receive support in navigating the early challenges that breastfeeding can bring, is invaluable, particularly for new mums and dads. Groups such as this couldn't meet face-to-face during the pandemic, so it was great to see that Breastfeeding Support Scotland in Mulgai was one of the first to restart in-person sessions and is now looking to expand its important services further. Breastfeeding Support Scotland runs a weekly support group in Mulgai's library each Monday for up to 30 local parents and their children. The group allows parents to meet, chat and get advice for any issues they are experiencing regarding nursing their children. It is completely free for families to attend and is staffed and organised by volunteers, with a minimum of two present at each session. Gillian Kelly from Breastfeeding Support Scotland said, We are so grateful to the Flight Path Fund for helping us to expand the group further. With this support, we have been able to train additional peer supporters, offer further development to our existing volunteers and start a lending library for our parents and attendees. The funding has allowed us to put plans in place for a course specifically designed for expectant parents to help prepare for the early days and weeks of breastfeeding. Whether parents attend with a tiny baby and specific issues or come back week after week for friendship and solidarity, the importance of being able to offer skilled face-to-face feeding support 
cannot be underestimated. Opinion. Let's talk the Kirk and Telecom Bishopbriggs Herald's letters page. Our televised football deserves far better cash deal. Sir, while it has been a bad start for Scottish football teams in Europe, our league is not as rubbish as some make out. Our UEFA club coefficiency is currently 9th out of 55 European nations and attendances per head of population remain the highest in Europe. Thanks to Champions League money, most other leading countries are also totally dominated by the same 1-3 clubs. Norway in 17th spot, which has no clubs with the international profile of Celtic and Rangers, managed to attract £65 million a year in TV rights, which is more than double what Scotland gets from Sky. If broadcasting was devolved, or in an independent country, the TV companies would have to up their game. On average, Scottish league matches on TV attract higher viewing figures than the English Championship, which receives £119 million a year. Therefore, it is ludicrous that Neil Doncaster, on behalf of the SPFL, is reportedly negotiating an even worse £30 million deal some three years before the existing deal expires. It is also a nonsense that clubs are not allowed to stream all matches to their supporters and opposition fans while not clashing with live TV. Neil Doncaster needs to call in Mick Lynch to teach him how to negotiate a better deal for his members. Yours etc. Fraser Grant by email. Canals from Scotland could end England's water woes. Sir, some of us recall the drought and heatwave of summer 1976, which lasted for two whole months. It puts the present situation in England and Wales into perspective. Let's start with the fact Lost Ness contains more fresh water than in the whole of England. Scotland has 31,000 freshwater lochs, and most are unused. With climate change, Scotland will become a much warmer and wetter country. Even if England builds reservoirs, treatment plants, reduces leakages and families cut back, they face a nightmare. In 1976, the idea, first mooted in 1942, was raised of transporting water through a series of canals to England. In 2018, both Boris Johnson and Alex Salmond supported it. The idea was endorsed by the world-renowned Professor Georgia Falconer at Cardiff University, famed for his interviews in global water security. It received support too from the Environment Agency. Admittedly, there were logistical problems, but ICOM, one of the biggest engineering design firms in the world, said it was feasible. Until the current calamity, the idea was in abeyance, with the Scottish Government promoting Scotland as a hydro nation, i.e. giving international support to other countries sharing academic expertise in water governance and water te- management technology. Given England's H2O woes, Scotland's water is now poised to be a new Scotland's oil. It would be considerably cheaper than HS2. Yours etc. John V. Lloyd. Address supplied. Crisis point before action. Sir, key workers not involved in the NHS have been pretty much ignored by both governments during the pandemic. So is possible industrial action by Royal Mail delivery staff, council staff, BT staff, and railway workers really a surprise to our politicians? Why do we wait until crisis point in this country before having a summit on what to do about the crisis? Adult social care staff and supermarket workers have been low paid for years and only now after the pandemic are we thinking of doing something about it. Why? 
When I was 16 in 1988, we had first passed the post elections, an unelected House of Lords, 16 year olds could not vote in a general election, and women Prime Minister at the head of a right wing Tory government. So, 2022 is pretty much the same with regard to Westminster politics as 1988, is it not? We have recently had one former Foreign Secretary as Prime Minister, and he has, in my opinion, been a bit of a disaster as a leader. What makes us think another will do be any better? With a new PM just before my 50th birthday, do you think we might have politicians working together and foreseeing things before they become a crisis, and managing to reform the union rather than breaking it apart? Was Brexit not disastrous enough for everyone apart from the ERG group? Yours etc. Peter Ovenstone Address supplied. Reader's Charter This newspaper is built in a tradition of accuracy and fairness, giving you the information you need to understand our world, holding power to account and exposing injustice. Our trusty brand means we're the only place where you can read and participate in honest debates. We are committed to giving a voice to those who struggle to be heard, as well as those whose profession is crafting an argument. Our Reader's Charter spells out our commitment to you. You can read the charter online at kirkyherald at gnscotland.co.uk 1.5 million pounds fund to continue Ian's work. Report by Julie Curry. The 1.5 million pounds Ian Finlay Path Fund is now open for applications and groups across Scotland are being encouraged to apply. The fund, managed by Scotland's walking charity Path for All, will enable more people to walk wheel or cycle for their everyday journeys to improve air quality, reduce CO2 emissions and improve physical health and mental well-being. The fund will support path management projects that improve the accessibility and resilience of existing paths between homes, community services, active travel routes and public transport facilities or connections. Community groups, third sector organisations and charities seeking to improve the accessibility of their local path networks are eligible to apply for between £10,000 and £100,000. Activities supported could include the removal of barriers, steps, ramps or vegetation, linking community destinations by filling in path connectivity gaps, tackling flooded sections of paths to increase climate change resilience, adding lighting to make paths safer, especially at night or in winter, improving sight lines, and upgrading the desire lines. These are all measures that make paths across Scotland more attractive and enjoyable to use by people of all ages and abilities. Rona Gibb, Paths for All Senior Manager, is encouraging community organisations to make an expression of interest application. She said, I would encourage community groups, development trusts and charities to think about the paths in their communities that people use for everyday short journeys that is improving to apply to our new Ian Finlay Path Fund. Communities know the muddy tracks, potholed steps or chicanes that are stopping people from easily walking, wheeling or cycling for their short journeys. If you know of paths that need to be made accessible for people using wheelchairs, walking aids or adaptive cycles, then get in touch. Scotland needs more attractive paths to make short journeys easy and enjoyable. We want local paths to be part of the way people travel. The £1.5 million Ian Finlay Path Fund was first announced in March as part of the cooperation agreement. 
The Scottish Government is investing a record sum of £150 million for active travel in 2022-23 and has committed to investing at least £320 million, or 10% of the transport budget, for active travel by 2024-25. Patrick Harvey, Minister for Zero Carbon Buildings, Active Travel and Tenants' Rights, officially opened the fund. He said, The investments made by this fund will mean better infrastructures for walking, making it easier for more people to walk more often for those everyday journeys and supporting our ambition to build an active nation. The fund is a fitting tribute to Ian Finlay's work as a lifelong champion for walking and continues his mission during his time as Chief Officer at Pass for All. I'd encourage community groups, development trusts, charities and housing associations looking to improve the, the existing local paths to get in touch. To find out more, visit www.pathforall.org.uk slash ian-finlay-path-fund. And that was a report by Julie Curry. Consider college following results. A Scottish Government minister is urging tens of thousands of school leavers to consider college as a first choice destination. Jamie Hepburn, Minister for Higher Education and Further Education, Youth Employment and Training, made the call as thousands of Scottish pupils digested their SQA exam results last week. He said, Scotland's college offers colleges offer incredible opportunities for young people looking to acquire the new skills needed for today's workforce. Other students might be looking to improve their results and then move on to a higher level of study in college or on to university. Colleges across the country also offer outstanding training for increasing number of apprentices. Scotland's colleges provide world-class learning for everyone and I hope every school leaver considers them as a first-choice destination. Shona Struthers, Colleges Scotland Chief Executive, added, This can be both an exciting and daunting period for young people and the impact of the pandemic has been likely felt by hundreds of thousands of teenagers. For some, the key will be acquiring skills for a job that brings them future fulfilment and financial security. For others, it's about improving on those school results to allow a move into higher levels of study. And for others, it's important to start earning while acquiring the competencies required within the modern workplace. Scotland's 26 colleges can deliver answers for all of those young people within their local communities. The skills provided ensure college graduates have the fit-for-purpose competencies employers demand. Alexa helps RNIB develop talking books any title from the vast Talking Boots library run by national site lost charity RNIB can now be accessed with a simple command to Alexa in the virtual assistant device produced by Amazon. Users simply speak to a command and Alexa searches online and plays whatever is requested, be it an audiobook, music track or podcast, from source. RNIB has worked with Amazon to launch the RNIB Talking Books skill, which is equivalent to an app. Users simply download this to access any of the 37,500 titles in RNIB's audio library and have it read to them by simply saying, Alexa, open RNIB Talking Books, and then choosing a title. The Royal National Institute of Blind People, RNIB, has long adapted emerging technology to the needs of those with sight loss. Its Talking Books library, the largest in Europe, began with Agatha Christie's The Murder of Roger Ackroyd 
1935, recorded on a set of large, long-playing records. From analogue to digital, Avery and IB evolved the technology through tape reels, cassettes, CDs, memory sticks, downloads, and now simple voice commands to Alexa. Ken Reed, 63, was invited to participate in the beta testing of the skill. He said, For most of my life with sight loss, reading has been a tactile experience. Either I have to grab my braille reader or use my audio player and sit with a series of buttons in front of me. With the RNIB talking book skill, I can sit back and relax with my hands free for drinking a cup of tea and biscuit while still listening to my current book. To find out more about the charity services and its new skill, visit www.rnib.org.uk Memory Walk for Alzheimer's People across the country are being asked to sign up to Alzheimer's Scotland's Memory Walk this year to raise funds and vital awareness of dementia in Scotland. Scotland's Memory Walk takes place on the weekend of September 16th to 18th and similar to last year, a fundraising platform has been launched to ensure people taking part can feel connected and share their experiences. The idea behind Scotland's Memory Walk is simple. It's your walk, your way. Participants can choose somewhere with a special meaning for them at a time that suits them over the weekend. And with so many stunning spaces across the country to choose from, you can enjoy some wonderful moments together. The distance doesn't matter whether it's one kilometre, five kilometre, 500 kilometres or even a lap of the garden. Best of all, it's free of charge for everyone who takes part, although everyone is encouraged to raise as much as they can. Participants will have the option to create a team with friends, family or colleagues and fundraise via their own personal Memory Walk page. This year, Scotland's Memory Walk will be over three days, with the Friday giving workplaces the opportunity to pull together. Every penny raised as a result of Scotland's Memory Walk will go directly towards the support Alzheimer's Scotland offers across the country, including its 24-hour free phone dementia helpline on 0808 808 3000. Kirsty Stewart, Alzheimer's Scotland Engagement Lead, said, I am delighted to be welcoming back our annual Memory Walk. Now in its fifth year, it is a great opportunity to connect, celebrate, raise awareness, remember loved ones and show support for people living with dementia, their family members and carers. It's only with the help of our incredible supporters that we can continue to be there for people living with dementia and their families. This event always brings with it a sense of hope, reinvigoration and community. I look forward to seeing regular supporters and hopefully a few new faces too. Together we can make sure nobody faces dementia alone. To sign up, visit www.memorywalk.altscott.org Delays cost NHS £400,000 every day. Age Scotland is calling for urgent action to tackle the new social care crisis after new figures revealed that the number of older people being kept in hospital because of lack of community care remains unacceptably high. Public Health Scotland figures showed the number of people affected by delayed discharge is higher than pre-pandemic levels, with 1,671 cases in June. Some 50,340 days were spent in hospital by people whose discharge was delayed in June, an increase of 36% compared with June 2021, 37,136. 
The average stay increased to 23 days in June, from 21 in May. The charity is estimated as costing the NHS more than £400,000 a day. Brian Sloan, aged Scotland Chief Executive, said, Too many people are spending far too long in hospital. The impact that this has on their health and long-term independence is extraordinarily negative. District News, General Holyrood View, Out and About with Our Local Heroes by Rona Mackay, MSP One of the best parts of the Scottish Parliament's summer recess is getting out and about to meet constituents. We have some wonderful community initiatives in the area. I had the pleasure last week of being invited to speak at the 10th anniversary celebrations of GRACE, Group Recovery Aftercare Community Enterprise. The Eastern Bartonshire Charity was set up in 2012 by Kirkintilloch man Robert Smith, who has worked tirelessly to provide a safe space to support anyone who has suffered from trauma. We all have ups and downs in life, and most of us as friends and family we can rely on to help us cope, but not everyone is so fortunate. The ethos of Grace is to offer help to anyone who is going through an ordeal, whether addiction, homelessness or social isolation. It's fantastic to see that Robert and his team clock up a decade of support and service. They truly are local heroes. Another group of local heroes I had the privilege to meet recently are the volunteers at Eastern Bartonshire Food Bank. The cost of living crisis is deepening. Coupled with more than 10 years of cruel Tory austerity, many residents in my constituency and beyond are struggling to make ends meet. As a result, the local food bank has experienced a significant rise in demand for their services. The Scottish Government is doing all it can to help mitigate soaring food, energy and housing costs, but key powers and resources are held by the UK Government. It's shocking to have food banks here in the first place, but they have nothing but praise for the dedicated volunteers who pull out, pull out all the stops to help people unable to afford even the basic necessities. On a positive note, I was delighted to hear of the strong performance of local pupils in the SQA exams after the huge disruption caused by COVID over the past two years. And with 95.5% of pupils across Eastern Bartonshire in a positive destination within nine months of leaving school last year, all credit must be given to them for overcoming the challenges and their hard work and all those who have supported them. Costs of living for students Edinburgh is the most expensive place in the UK for students to live, according to the Royal Bank of Scotland Student Living Index. The index takes account of student spending and income to calculate a score for university towns and cities across the UK. This year has shown that household bills have more than doubled for students, with an average cost of £56.45 per month, with supermarket spending accounting for the single biggest monthly outlay at £76.29 each month. Edinburgh has the highest cost of student living. Students in the Scottish capital have a monthly term-time income of £934, the lowest of all the cities ranked, while the total monthly spending is £949. Edinburgh students are the least likely to combine studying and working during the academic term. In contrast, Cardiff tops the list of UK cities for the best value for money. Below average rent prices, combined with higher than average term time incomes, contributed to Cardiff being named the most affordable student city. Term time income for Cardiff students averages at £2,241.65, 
and is the fifth highest of all the cities surveyed. They spent an average of £1,041 in total, the fourth lowest of all the cities in the Student Living Index. Oxford is now the most expensive place for a pint, with students expected to pay £5.50 per drink, closely followed by London with an expected cost of £4.90, in comparison to Durham, where students can expect to pay just £3.20 and Coventry at £3.40. Students studying in London and Manchester were the most likely to rely on parents or family for income. When it came to budgeting, over a third, 35%, of students have found themselves running out of money by the end of the term. Laura Behan, head of Royal Bank Student Accounts, said, With the cost of living increasing, especially as we look forward to the start of the new university year in September, it is vital that students properly manage their finances. Garden Bugs As the weather warms up, your garden becomes alive with all kinds of insects, but not all of them are your enemies. Quite the opposite, most of them are completely harmless and even beneficial, as they eat the pests that feed in your plants and crops. Chris Bonnet from gardeningexpress.co.uk said, Encouraging the right type of bugs to take residence in your garden provides a long-term pest control solution, which is a good alternative to using chemical pesticides. This will allow you to grow your plants and vegetables organically. It's good for the environment and it also keeps the garden maintenance costs down. Here are some of the bugs you should welcome in your garden. Ladybirds. Despite their colourful look and sweet name, ladybirds are predatory insects who like to feast on pests. They devour about 50 aphids per day. These little bugs with a big appetite are one of the best options for natural pest control. Green lacewings. Similar to ladybirds, lacewings enjoy munching on aphids, especially black flies, who are very damaging to your vegetable plot. Lacewing larvae are especially useful because they can exum- consume up to 200 aphids per week. Ground beetles. Ground beetles are good for getting rid of soft-bodied pests like snails and slugs. On top of that, they also feed on weed seeds, making them your best pals if you're struggling with removing weeds from your garden. Spiders. Although many people get uncomfortable with the idea of welcoming spiders into their living spaces, these little creatures are actually very beneficial in your garden. Spiders are not picky when it comes to their diet, so they will eat a variety of insects and are not interested in your vegetable crops. Butterflies. Butterflies are one of the most impo- one of the most important pollinators, which means that they help plants to reproduce. They also attract other beneficial insects to the garden. Bees. Like butterflies, bees play a vital part in the pollination process, which is critical for increasing your harvest. The vast majority of plants we need for food rely on pollination, especially by bees. Hoverflies. Hoverflies act as both pollinators and pest controllers, making them extremely useful to have in your garden. In their larval stages, they ferociously consume aphids, thrips, scale insects and eggs, and when they reach to an adult stage, they feed off pollen and nectar. Thank you for filling up. Scottish Water has said thank you to customers across the country after it confirmed that Scotland's growing network of public water top-up taps has saved the equivalent of more than 2 million single-use plastic bottles as a result of people quenching their thirst by refilling. In a major boost to the country's efforts to reduce single-use plastic, 
The public have tapped into Scotland's water supply to help the planet stay hydrated and save money. The number of equivalent bottles saved has doubled from 1 million in October 2021. The publicly owned company thanked everyone and encouraged people to keep it up. The taps provide free public means to supply water and log how much water is used. Sweet Phoebe needs a home. Animal welfare experts are appealing for a home for Phoebe, a sweet three-year-old lurcher currently staying at Dogs Trust, West Calder. Phoebe is a gentle girl who enjoys life's simple pleasures. Whether zooming around the garden or snoozing in the sun, she loves being outside. Phoebe looks forward to her daily walks and enjoys exploring in quiet woodland spots. She is a real foodie who loves all kinds of treats. Phoebe is a shy girl, so would benefit from living with a calm family who can help her grow in confidence. She would like her new home to have a garden she can relax in. If you can give Phoebe a home or any of the 50 dogs available for rehoming, please call the centre on 01506 873 459. Family Announcements Deaths Fulton Samuel Following a short illness and, in the heart of his family, with the wonderful care and support of the entire ward team at Ward 52, Glasgow Royal Infirmary, our dad quietly slipped away to the safekeeping of the Lord, aged 92, on Monday, August 8th, 2022. The loving husband of late Rita and dad to Mary, Anne, Samuel and Margaret, cherished granddad to Billy, Paula, Marguerite, John, Edward, Gillian and Alison. Great-granddad and great-great-granddad, father-in-law, brother, brother-in-law, uncle and friend to many. Fortified by the rites of the Holy Church, Reception and Vigil, St. Mackin's RC Church, Chapel Street, Lennox Town, G66 7DE, on Thursday, August 18th at 6pm. Requiem Mass on Friday, August 19th at 10am. Funeral thereafter to Campsie Burial Ground, arriving approximately 11am. Mick Gill, Doris August 16th, 1932 to July 30th, 2022 At 4th Valley Royal Hospital, Larbert, Doris passed away in hospital with her daughters by her side after a sudden illness. A long-time resident of Lindsay, Doris lived a full life as a wife, mother, grandmother, sister, aunt, colleague and friend. She loves her bright, active and independent life right to the very end and will be sorely missed by everyone whose life she enriched with her warmth, humour, kindness and charm. Those who wish to honour Doris's life are welcome to join the family at a service at 11.30am on Thursday, August 25th at St Saviour's Church, 21 Fountain Road, Bridge of Allen, FK9 4AT Family flowers only please and a collection will be taken for the British Heart Foundation and Cancer Research UK 
The committal service will follow at the Old Isle Cemetery, Kirkintilloch, at 1.30pm. Robertson, Ernie. Passed away peacefully at Royal Alexandria Hospital, Paisley, on August 1st, 2022, aged 89. Loving husband to the late Marion, loving dad to Fiona, brother of Rosemary, father-in-law of Jason, and loving granddad to Finn and India. Funeral service at 10am on August 23rd, 2022, at St Mary's Church, Kirkintilloch followed by a burial at Catter Cemetery, Bishop Briggs. Public Notices Planning Notices Eastern Bartonshire Council Public Notices The Eastern Bartonshire Council, Pollock Drive, Bishop Briggs, Temporary Closure, Order 2022 on the 16th of August 2022, the Eastern Martinshire Council made the above-named order under Section 14, brackets 1, of the Road Traffic Regulation Act 1984 as amended, which makes it unlawful for any person to drive or cause or permit to be driven any motor vehicle, with the exception of emergency service vehicles, vehicles engaged in the works, and those vehicles requiring access to properties adjacent to the closed section of road when it is safe and practical to do so on Pollock Drive, Bishop Briggs, between its junctions with Kemier Avenue and Brackenbury Avenue, by reason of works being executed on or near this road. This order will operate from 6am on Sunday the 28th of August 2022, until 6pm on Sunday the 4th of September 2022. Alternative Route Alternative routes for vehicles by way of Brackenbury Road, Brackenbury Avenue, St Mary's Road and Kemier Avenue, Bishop Briggs, and these routes will be signposted. Internal diversion routes will also be signposted. SGD, Karen Donnelly, Chief Solicitor and Monitoring Officer, Legal Services, Eastern Martinshire Council Headquarters, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilloch, G66 1TJ. Civic Government Scotland Act 1982 Application for Temporary Public Entertainment Licence the undernoted has applied for the grant of a temporary public entertainment licence in the terms of the above Act. Name and address of applicant. The Committee of Lindsay Rugby Football Club, 15 Viewfield Avenue, Lindsay, G664RB. Day-to-day manager, Graham Wilson. 37 Newton Road, Lindsay, G66, 5LS. Type of entertainment. Family fireworks event with children's fairground and DJ in the clubhouse. Dates and times of operation. 6pm on Friday the 4th of November 2022 until 1am on Saturday the 5th of November 2022. 
any objections or representations in terms of paragraph 3 brackets 1 of Schedule 1 of the Act should be logged with the undernoted no later than 28 days from the publication date of the newspaper in which this advertisement appears. Deputy Chief Executive, Education, People and Business, Eastern Bartonshire Council, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilloch, G66, 1TJ. Members' Surgeries Councillors' Arrangements for Interviewing Residents Ward 5, Bishopbriggs South, Gordon Low 20th of August 2022, Bishopbriggs Academy, 10am till 10.45am 20th of August 2022, Bishopbriggs Library and Community Hub, 11.15am to 12 noon. 20th of August 2022, Ockenairn CE Centre, 12.30pm to 1.15pm. Ward 7, Kirkintilloch East and North and Twicker. Pamela Marshall 20th of August 2022, Kirk Cub, Room 1, 10am until 10.45am. 20th of August 2022, Hillhead Community Centre, Room 2, 11.15am until 12 noon. 20th of August 2022, Twicker Healthy Living and Enterprise Centre. 12.15pm until 1pm. Ward 7, Kirkintilloch East and North and Twicker, Stuart MacDonald. 17th of August 2022, Twicker Healthy Living Centre, 5.30pm till 6pm. 17th of August 2022, Hillhead Community Centre, 6.15pm till 6.45pm. Ward 7, Kirkintilloch East and North and Twicker, Susan Murray. 17th of August 2022, Kirkintilloch Hub, Room 1, 6pm until 7.30pm. Between surgeries, counsellors can be contacted at the Members Support Unit on 0300 one two three four five one zero. Again, that's zero three zero zero one two three four five one zero. Golf it opens next summer. An article by Brian Yule. The RNA have revealed the name of its brand new golf concept that will open in Glasgow next summer. The new community-based golf and entertainment facility, Golfit, will be located on the south bank of Huggenfield Lock, following the redevelopment of Letham Hill Golf Course. The new facility will feature a range of introductory golf formats, including a twist on pitch and putt, adventure golf and community putting greens, plus a double-decker floodlight driving range and a new look nine-hole course for all the family to play. 
These will sit alongside other attractions and activities such as panel tennis courts, nature trails, bike hire and street foot style dining and drinks area. The development is set to create more than 100 jobs and offer a range of apprenticeships that will boost employment opportunities for those living locally. Martin Slumbers, chief executive of the R&A, said Golfit will enable people of all ages, abilities and backgrounds to be part of a community-driven facility that levels the playing field and provides new paths into golf. It marks a significant commitment by the RNA to re-establish the sports routes in the heart of Scotland and take golf into communities that may never have seen it as a viable, family-friendly activity before. In that regard, we want Golfit to be an exemplar format for working hand-in-hand with the communities it serves. We're excited about getting the facility ready for its opening next summer. Golfit has already won the backing of a range of delivery and community partners, which includes Glasgow City Council, Glasgow Life, Visit Scotland, Heritage Lottery Fund, Golf Foundation, Active Schools Network, GEO Foundation, Toro, Akushnet, Scottish Power and Adidas. The community partner will be St Paul's Youth Forum, a youth project in Proven Mill that aims to provide opportunities for young people across the East End. Young people from the project and local schools have planted a community orchard within the golf course and will be running on bikes, a youth-focused bike charity which delivers free bike access on site. More information can be found at www.golf-it.com. That article written by Brian Yule. Rob Roy are top of the table. Kirk and Tillich Rob Roy sit atop the WOSFL Premier Division after a 5-1 win away to Largs Thistle on Saturday. Manager Stuart Maxwell said, Obviously we are delighted with the result. I don't think many teams will go to Largs and score 5. It is a good start, but there is a long way to go. Rob Roy travel to EOSFL Division 1 leaders Luncarty in the South Challenge Cup on Saturday. Maxwell said, We've had them watched and, by all accounts, they are as good as a Premier League side in the West. So we're under no illusions it will be a tough game. Peter Hill are bottom of the Premier on zero points as they went down 3-0 to Beath and will look to get something from the trip to Cumnock on Saturday. In the first division, Rossville are also still looking for their first point after going down 4-0 away to Neilston and, on Saturday, are at home to Cumbernauld United. The second division saw Ashfield host Mabel as they played out a 5-5 draw and travel to Airdrie on Friday to play Glasgow University. Glasgow Perthshire got their first point on the board. In the second, 
with a 2-2 draw as they hosted Greenock and travel to Craigmark on Saturday. In the 4th Division, Rossville Academy were beaten 2-0 at home to St. Peter's, now head to Eglinton on Saturday. In the same division, West Park United made the 8-hour round trip to face Campbelldown pupils winning and travel to Camelon on Saturday in the South Challenge Cup. Euro starts to grace the Peters Hill Turf. An article written by Graham Falk and read by myself, Corey. Glasgow City take part in the Women's Champions League this week and will face a number of star players who appeared at Euro 2022. AS Roma are set to travel to Scotland alongside Servette and Paris FC as the first round qualifying stage of the competition takes place at Peters Hill Park. The two semi-finals kick off tomorrow, Thursday, with Paris and Civette at 1pm, followed by City versus Roma at 7.35pm. The final and quarter-placed playoff will then take place at Peters Hill on Sunday. Up to 10 players who featured at the Euros could be in action. Italian internationals Elisa Bartoli and Manuela Giagilano, Elena Lenari and Lucia Di Guglielmo will form part of Roma's squad alongside Norwegian star Sophie Hogg and Austrian vice-captain Karina Weninger. Servette are likely to field Portugal number one NS Pereira and experienced Swiss midfielder Sandy Medley. However, the biggest names on show will be French stars Clara Matteo and Olia Mata Sar, the duo featuring heavily in their nation's run to the semi-final with both expected to line up for Paris FC. Matteo was particularly impressive in Corinne Decree's France side, with the 24-year-old attacker ending the tournament as the fourth highest assist maker. Digital tickets are available on game-by-game basis by visiting www.glasgocityfc.co.uk forward slash collections forward slash UEFA hyphen women's hyphen champions hyphen league. They cost £12 for adults and £5 for under-16s slash over-65s, while Glasgow City season ticket holders receive a 20% discount. Meanwhile, after their opening day demolition of Spartans in the Scottish Women's Premier League 1, things proved much tougher for City as they travelled to Motherwell on Sunday. Indeed, it took until the 97th minute before defender Jenna Clark grabbed the only goal of the game. City won a corner from goalkeeper Lee Gibson's long kick upfield. Haley Lauder swung in the set piece and Clark was on hand to head in from six yards. The next league match sees City host SWPL 
1 Newcomers Dundee United on Wednesday, August 24th. That article written by Graham Falk. Action at Racewall was abandoned after crash. The action at Cowdenbeth Racewall has to abandoned after Charlie Stewart crashed heavily in her ORCI mini stocks. The emergency services were called to cut Stewart out of her car before she was taken to hospital for x-rays and tests. She's since been released from the hospital and is now at home resting, sore but otherwise okay. A statement by Race Wall said, We wish Charlie a speedy recovery and thank our track and medical team and the security personnel for their professional approach and the emergency services for their assistance. We also thank those at attendance for their patience and understanding of the situation that led to the curtailment of the meeting. We will update on the rescheduling of the postponed events as soon as we can. Prior to the abandonment, Zach Glamour from Colsyth brought his saloon home in third place in the opening heat, and then fifth in heat two. The ORCI stock rods and micro F2s were in action before the ORCI mini-strokes took to the track, including Madison Gilmore from Kilsyth and Robbie Scott from Lindsay. Rachel Kidd won the opening heat, with Scott coming home in 7th place, whilst in heat 2, Robbie Armit won from Scott, with Glamour in 7th place. On Saturday, the pro-stock basic drivers will top the billing racing for their Scottish Championship. The Formula 2 and saloon drivers will also be on track from 6pm. Meanwhile, Liam Rennie from Colsyth finished 5th at the first of the Formula 2 World Championship semi-finals at Buxton on Sunday. Tigers duo win Piers bronze. Glasgow Tigers took home bronze medals after finishing 3rd in the SGB Championship pairs at Oxford on Friday. Ben Basso and Danian Hume were second in Group A on 21 points behind Leicester with Basso winning all four of his races. That means Glasgow faced Group B winners Redcar in the semi-final and although Basso continued his stunning form, Hume couldn't find a way past either of the opposition duo as the Bears won 5-4 and moved into the final. Redcar went on to win the meeting 7-2 over Pole but the result was enough to secure third place for the Tigers. Next up, the Tigers travelled to Redcar in the Speedway GB Championship on August 21st, followed by a trip to Plymouth Gladiators two days later. Lumsden in final at Fox Hills. Lindsay tennis player Maya Lumsden reached final of the women's doubles at the ITF World Tennis Tour event in Fox Hills. Lumsden and her partner Nyktha Baines beat the duos of Alexandria Osborne and Katrina Streznakova, Lauren John Baptiste and Elise Robe, and Alexandria Bozovic and 
and Fang Hsien Wu en route to the final. There they went up against fellow British pairing of Freya Christie and Ali Collins, but lost 3-6, 3-6. Lumsden reached the final of the tour event in Nottingham last month, but here could only reach the second round. She defeated another fellow British player, Anna Brogan, before falling to Kyoka Okamura of Japan, who went on to be the runner-up. Thank you for listening to this week's Kirkland Hill podcast. Brought to you by Cune Review, Print Speaking to the Blind. If you've any feedback, you're welcome to call us on 0141 772 3976. If you enjoyed this recording, feel free to subscribe to our channel.